As one of America's largest financial services companies, Nationwide makes simplicity a priority so financial professionals can help their clients achieve their retirement goals. Nationwide Investment Services Corporation, member FINRA, Columbus, Ohio. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Welcome to the Bloomberg Surveillance Podcast. I'm Tom Keen, along with Jonathan Farrell and Lisa Abramowitz. Daily, we bring you insight from the best in economics, finance, investment, and international relations. Find Bloomberg Surveillance on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Bloomberg.com, and of course, on the Bloomberg Terminal. Bit of a surprise early in the morning as I scroll through, and it's real simple, discussion of consulates in the Baltic states. That sets up an important conversation with the European Commissioner for Trade. He's a former prime minister of his Latvia, Valdis Dombrovskis, joins us right now, and we've had many conversations over the years. Uh, Mr. Dombrovskis, I have to rip up the script and speak to you of the sea changes from Lithuania to Latvia up to Estonia and across to Finland. Your area is in a tumult we've really never seen since World War II. What do you need from America, from NATO, and from your Brussels, frankly, to provide courage to your Latvia and, for that matter, courage to Sweden and Finland? Uh, good morning. Uh, indeed, uh, uh, Russia's uh, aggression uh, against Ukraine is having implications uh, across the entire uh, region, and it actually undermines the entire European security uh, architecture. And uh, clearly, what uh, countries in the region, like uh, Baltic states, uh, like Poland, are uh, looking for is uh, NATO's uh, presence on the ground strengthening of defense uh, capabilities uh, and clearly also support for Ukraine. Because it's uh, clear that if we do not stop Putin in Ukraine, uh, he will venture further in uh, his aggressive uh, war. So that's uh, why it's uh, so important also to make sure that we provide all necessary uh, support uh, to uh, Ukraine to stop the war there, but at the same time right. also step up the preparedness in the region. Your Latvia does not touch upon this exclave of Kaliningrad. It touches Lithuania and Poland, but it seems to be front and center. Explain to Bloomberg's global audience how we defend ourselves against the reality that Mr. Putin wants some form of bridge to his exclave. He can only get there by water. Compare that to what we see now on the shores of the Black Sea and the path from Russia to Crimea. 
Uh, well, uh, first of all, uh, it's uh, uh, more than excuse than any real uh, concern, because reality is that Russia has a, a corridor uh, possibility uh, to uh, uh, transport people and goods between uh, mainland Russia and uh, Kaliningrad enclave, uh, uh, doing uh, so both with railway and with road uh, transport. And already uh, also now, when EU is putting lots of sanctions against uh, Russia, uh, this uh, corridor is not being uh, subjected to uh, sanctions. So that's uh, indeed uh, more as an excuse which uh, Russia is uh, trying uh, to, to use uh, potentially to close down what is called a Shuvalki uh, corridor, uh, which is uh, connecting uh, Poland and Lithuania. But it's worth noting that it's all a territory of uh, NATO, so that's why it's very important that there are proper NATO uh, defense plans in uh, place. Also against this kind of uh, scenario. Uh, and you also uh, raised uh, uh, questions concerning Finland and uh, uh, Sweden. As uh, we know, both those countries are uh, currently uh, uh, considering a possible application to actually join NATO. Right now we're talking uh, also about the potential consequences, additional consequences for Russia. A number of European nations have called for a full embargo of oil from Russia. What would that do to member states in terms of economics? Uh, well, uh, indeed, uh, since uh, the beginning of Russia's uh, aggression, EU has implemented already five uh, rounds of sanctions against uh, Russia, and now we are discussing uh, possible next sanctions, uh, which, uh, among others, include a possibility of some kind of uh, oil uh, embargo in one form or uh, another. We have done uh, this uh, assessment of uh, what implications it's going to have for the European uh, economy. Uh, if there is a sudden uh, uh, cutting off of Russia's hydrocarbons, uh, not only uh, oil, but also gas. Uh, and the uh, conclusion is that not without problems, European Union can uh, cope with this uh, scenario. Uh, well, as regards oil, there is a global oil uh, market, so there is a possibility to find another suppliers. Uh, as regards uh, uh, gas, uh, we are now working very intensively to diversify gas supplies, uh, including from LNG, including from the United uh, States, but also also to accelerate the green uh, uh, transition, rolling out of uh, renewable energy, so basically uh, working at full speed to reduce the dependency on uh, Russian hydrocarbons. Valdis, you talked about a potential oil embargo in one form or another. There have been some questions about how severe these uh, embargoes could actually be given the reluctance by Germany, namely, to really go forward with this because of their dependence on Russia, yes, for gas, but also for oil. How quickly could something be implemented and how strict could this embargo be? Uh, well, uh, in terms of speed, we are actually uh, ready to move uh, up uh, very uh, fast as, as regards the technical uh, work. So it's mainly the question of reaching political agreement because sanctions are agreed uh, in the EU uh, at the principle of unanimity of all member states. So all 27 member states uh, need to uh, agree. That's why those uh, political consultations are now ongoing uh, very uh, intensively. But technically, we are ready to move uh, very right. fast as our first uh, uh, sanctions uh, packages had shown, we are ready to put them placed in a one or two days. To cut to the chase, Mr. Dombrovskis, with your 24-7 work and the work of everyone in Europe, are you essentially waiting for the outcome of the French election? Are people like you essentially on hold until Monday? 
Well, uh, 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 it must be said absolutely not. And as you uh, noted uh, before, France has actually voiced its support for oil uh, embargo. So that's not something which is uh, holding us back. And that was not something which was holding uh, us back, for example, to presenting the fifth sanctions package also in this very same uh, pre-election uh, context. It must be said that there is a, a quite a degree of determination and uh, unity in the EU to stop Russia's uh, aggression, to put pressure on Russia through sanctions, through other means, and to provide a maximum possible uh, support for Ukraine. Varys, do you get the impression that the Europeans have finally learned the lesson of dealing with Russia? Given what happened at the end of the first decade of this millennium, warning one, Georgia, another warning, Crimea, and yet the Germans, it was just business as usual, business as usual with the German government. Have we finally learned that lesson? Uh, well, uh, clearly, uh, I think there is now uh, quite a broad acknowledgement that there were mistakes uh, made, also not reacting uh, in a, a firm and determined uh, way against Russia's aggression uh, against uh, uh, Georgia, annexation of uh, uh, Crimea and other uh, uh, events. So from that point of view, uh, one can say, yes, uh, this uh, lesson is uh, uh, finally uh, learned. And actually, uh, as you know, the Central Eastern European countries had been ringing alarm bells already for many years. So uh, finally it's heard and there is a firm and determined uh, uh, action. And it's important that we stay the course, that we stay consistent uh, and uh, make sure that this uh, war is uh, really uh, stopped and Russia's aggression fails. Commissioner, you've been a good friend to this program over the years. Thank you very much for being with us again this morning. Varys Dombrovsky there of the European Commission. Nobody ever says make it complicated. That is why Nationwide makes simplicity a priority by providing financial professionals with straightforward, client-ready resources. From clear strategies to help clients meet retirement savings and income needs, to ways to cover rising health care costs and more. Nationwide simplifies planning so more time can be spent helping clients. Nationwide is on your side. Nationwide Investment Services Corporation, member FINRA, Columbus, Ohio. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank. Because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more.
Come on, Claudia, you're killing me. Out of the <laughs> University of Michigan Inflation Combine with Matt Shapiro, Claudia, Shap uh, Claudia Shapiro, Claudia Sam joins us uh, this morning with Jane Institute. Claudia, I'm going to cut to the chase. You are legit pro out of the Michigan Combine on the effect of inflation across the different deciles of America. Mary Daly and others, they can look from 60,000 feet. The working class, the middle class, the subclass, the rich, all those partitions, how are they affected by this historic inflation? Right. Well, you're absolutely correct. Inflation does not affect us all in the same way. I mean, frankly, just the think inflation prices are not this big blob of an aggregate number. It's everybody like what we put in our shopping basket. It differs right in a lot of ways. And what you have to pay for it, say there's people who uh, working class, even up into the middle class, they spend a lot more on necessities, on gas, on food right now. I mean, for a while, housing that have been just not affordable. And they're the they're the things we talk about that are the prices are rising. Right. And and rich people, they're they're doing OK. Like, I'm not worried about them. But inflation is complicated because it has you know, it can benefit people that have a lot of credit card debt ain't so good for bondholders, right? So like there's a lot going on, but the big thing is high prices, high inflation, they're disruptive. Like okay. they make life challenging. Okay. This is important. Come on. Michigan is, owns the high ground on this. You studied <laughs> there. Alan Meltzer's rolling over in his grave at Carnegie Mellon because Alan Meltzer wants to go aggregate. Mary Daly's going aggregate. Chairman Powell's going aggregate. Can we beat 7% inflation going aggregate or do we need a Fed that actually has to understand the decile imp impact? Well, so I firmly believe in the Fed on this one. Like, if anybody knows how to get this under control, it's Jay Powell and his team. Now, I will say what is very disconcerting, and you talked about the war in Ukraine just earlier in the show, food and gas prices are totally out of control of the Fed, right? Those, they don't, they would have to cut demand in a way that would be absolutely frightening to get people not to drive to work as much and bring gas down or, you know, tighten the belt and not feed the kids as much. So that, but there's a lot they can do on all the rest of the stuff we buy, right? So they're, and, and they're making progress. The last Consumer Price Index report, month over month, was kind of encouraging. Okay. We've got a long way to go. But. Well, but, but, but Claudia, let's say, I mean, the, the, the idea here is that perhaps you don't believe that the Fed has to go quite as quickly as some of the more aggressive hawks out there. I do wonder, though, how much you have to reassess when you do see things like housing prices continue to climb or housing starts continuing to climb beyond expectations, despite the tightening that we're seeing in, in, in financial conditions. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, and to be clear, I mean, I my baseline is 50 basis points in May and June. Right. I think it's pretty clear they're signaling two moves, not just one. I think that's appropriate. The housing mortgage rates, I mean, they have gone up. The Fed raised 25 basis point mortgage rates are up two percentage points. Right. It, it is clear that there is some of this. I'm going to buy now before prices go even higher. So I think it's going to take a little while for us to see the cooling. And but like Jay Powell cannot print houses, right? Like we have a big problem and we have had a big problem for decades of affordable housing and underbuild. So 
Maybe this is a wake-up call, like build the houses. Claudia, what do you think would be a restrictive policy rate? I So I wouldn't, the Fed, and I don't think they'll do this if they really um, start running out of the gate. I know Jim Bullard was putting out a hypothetical, but I think like 275 basis point moves would overdo it. I mean, particularly, we're going to keep getting say by the June meeting, a lot more information about the economy. I mean, it is, if they go too hard and the world serves us up, you know, a particular set of conditions, I mean, we could have an undershoot next year. I mean, I think that'd be okay. But I mean, you don't, like, you can't overdo it. You got to see the data, you know, adjust to the data. It's absolutely clear they need to go harder, um, but not... Too much. Like Claudia, that's, that's a big call, that is, that if they went too hard, we could have an undershoot of their inflation target next year. What would too hard be to get inflation back below 2%? A recession. I mean, they but need... But a recession, you think, would achieve that? I mean, the reason I ask that is because some people think that you could actually get a contraction in growth while prices are still elevated above 2%. Yeah, good luck with that. Um, I mean, anything can happen at this point. You know, nuclear winter is inflationary, right? Like, so I'm not, <laughs> the things could be bad. But right now, and we lose sight of this, we have an economy that is back on track. We are on trend for inflation-adjusted consumer spending, inflation-adjusted business investment. We never got that after the Great Recession. The labor market, okay. jobs, they are there. So I mean, stagflation. Claudia, like, we're know. running out of time on the clock here. Mm -hmm. Farrell's got to close out the hour, but we're among friends here. What's Larry Summers get wrong on this? I mean, you just basically said the stagflation hypothesis is nuts. What's he get wrong? Well, I think I haven't heard Larry talk about COVID for a very long time. I don't think there's a serious discussion about the Ukraine. Uh, I don't know how you miss that. You know, whatever. It's useful to have somebody going around saying the world is, you know, stagflation, inflation, recession. I, you know, it's worth talking about, but his story just does not stand up. It's not the 1970s. Cody Sam. Uh, Thursday morning wrestling. <laughs> I can I can see a panel developing here, Tom. You think we get the former Treasury Secretary on alongside? We can Claudia get Sam and Summers on stage at Davos, John. I'll, I'll It'll just be great. Step back, TK, and let them do their thing, <laughs> and not get involved for about six hours. Claudia Sam, there of the Jane Family Institute. Claudia, thank you. Nobody ever says make it complicated. That is why Nationwide makes simplicity a priority by providing financial professionals with straightforward, client-ready resources. From clear strategies to help clients meet retirement savings and income needs to ways to cover rising health care costs and more. Nationwide simplifies planning so more time can be spent helping clients. Nationwide is on your side. Nationwide Investment Services Corporation, member FINRA, Columbus, Ohio. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest-growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank. Because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. 
Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. Dan Ives joins us now. So Dan, let's start with a broader picture. We were trying to work out whether we had a Netflix problem or a market problem. Which one is it? I think it's a Netflix problem, and I think you have a Facebook problem as well. I think what you see more and more, it's a bifurcated tech team. And I think the work from home beneficiaries are gonna continue to trade off. I think that's catch a falling knife. But what we see with Tesla, we'll see with Apple next week, Microsoft, cyber, semis, that's gonna lead tech higher. I just view it as a have and a have not, and Netflix is, is clearly a have not. It's not a market problem, it's company specific. I believe it's a strong tech earnings next month. You mentioned Facebook. That was down yesterday by 7.8%. That was brutal. You mentioned Apple as well. So let's talk about the relationship between, say, Apple and a Tesla right now. It's China, Dan. I think the China story is so important. Nomura overnight cut GDP for China this year, their forecast, to a three-handle. Dan, how important are the issues in Shanghai? And do you think they get them worked out? Well, I mean, that was the key from last night, because for Tesla, that's the hearts and lungs of the bull story in terms of Giga Shanghai, you know, and obviously the three week shutdown, but must talked about. I mean, it's ramping quickly coming out of the gate, you know, now that it's reopening. I think that's going to be similar to what we see with Apple next week. And I think the street, they're viewing this as sort of a contained issue. Of course, you could still have zero COVID issues in China, but overall supply chain, I think slightly improving. And that's actually going to be something that I think we'll hear from Apple next week, which is, I think, another boost for Cupertino. Dan, how confident are you that they can compete well against the new upstart electric car maker, Ford? Look, I, I think fundamentally, you know, when you look what's happening right now in the EV landscape, it's Tesla's world and everyone else is paying rent. And, and I think what you're seeing here is they're further flexing their muscles from a manufacturing perspective. And even despite Category 5 hurricane headwinds in China, I mean, those numbers last night, that's a billion dollar beat. And I think it just shows the raising, you, know, you talk about raising prices, they're raising prices and demand's increasing. It just should. That's an important dynamic right now. Demand outstripping supply by about 30 percent. Dan, how do you determine what a reopening story is and what's fundamental at a time when so many people went into cars, bought cars, bought new ones because gas prices were climbing or because uh, they didn't want to take public transportation or they weren't traveling on airplanes uh, internationally? How much is that also a reopening story versus some kind of secular shift? Yeah, it's a great point. We take basically what we believe was like a pull forward dynamic. And we saw that with obviously some tech names, even like a Microsoft. And then what's the sustainable demand trend? And what we're actually seeing is the sustainable demand trend 
for names like Tesla and EVs. And I think in tech, in terms of the cloud digital transformation, I call it a fourth industrial revolution. It's unparalleled to anything we've seen in the last well, 22 years. Dan, Netflix ran into some competition, whether it's Puny, Paramount, or it's others that are more sustainable. Any number of EV articles, and I'm going to go to Mazda here, and their idea of sustainable Zoom Zoom. Everybody wants to compete with Tesla. Are you telling me they're going to maintain revenue integrity given all that competition? Well, I think it's going to be a rising tide. It's going to lift a lot of boats. It's not just a zero-sum game. They're they're going to sustain their unit dynamics. Oh, I think it's going to amplify because I think we're going to go to 10% automotive that's EVs and they're going to have a bigger and bigger piece of that. And the difference just when you compare it to Hastings and Netflix Hubris, they continue to raise prices. Others all eventually kind of caught up. And the difference with Tesla from a battery technology and continuing to build out factories, that's the difference between someone like a Musk and a Hastings seeing forests through the trees. They're one step ahead. That's why we saw last night's numbers. Dan, why did no one on the call ask about Twitter? Look, I think right now that was one where, you know, no one wanted to spoil the party, you know, in terms of obviously a Tesla focused earnings. Uh, you know, obviously, look, Twitter, it's the queer elephant in the room, you know, the collateralized stock in terms of what he's ultimately going to need to do with the uh, Musk with Tesla as well as SpaceX. But I do believe there will be other times to ask that because this soap opera is just starting, you know, in terms Dan, of you've Musk get stuck going in after sometimes Twitter. and spoil the party. You know, that's just how these things work. Dan Ives of Wetbush. Dan, it's great to catch up. Nobody ever says, make it complicated. That is why Nationwide makes simplicity a priority by providing financial professionals with straightforward, client-ready resources. From clear strategies to help clients meet retirement savings and income needs to ways to cover rising health care costs and more. Nationwide simplifies planning so more time can be spent helping clients. Nationwide is on your side. Nationwide Investment Services Corporation, member FINRA, Columbus, Ohio. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.
So Jonathan Gray, uh, thank you for joining us here. I want to start here with you on that real estate business because no business did better for you than opportunistic and core plus real estate. And so when you're looking at this market, this soaring real estate pricing market, how long does that dynamic last for? So Shanali, it's great to be here. I, I think in real estate, it, it is a bit of a, a tale of two cities. Um, a number of areas of real estate actually are still facing big pressure. If you think about older office buildings in cities, if you think about regional malls, uh, where the fundamentals are challenged, where rising rates will put pressure on these assets, it's not as good a story. We fortunately have picked some good neighborhoods to deploy capital and real estate. We've really focused on global logistics, which has been by far our biggest theme, rental housing, life science office buildings, increasingly making a, a bet on a recovery in hotels. And in those areas where you have shorter duration leases, strong demand, um, income can continue to grow to offset these inflationary pressures. So there are headwinds from rising rates, but owning hard assets in the right sectors in this kind of environment can be a good thing. John, you're being a little meek in terms of how much exactly you've invested in the last year. In housing, $13 billion. Two days ago, you announced an all-cash for campus housing, $6 billion last year for single-family rental. That was 7,000 houses at the time. And this year, another $6 billion on an apartment community business. So if anyone knows what's happening in a tight housing market, it's you. How big of a problem are these rising prices for the American home buyer? So the challenge on housing has been many years in the making. If you step back and look at the supply picture, uh, we have been building housing at half the rate uh, we did prior to the financial crisis as a percentage of population. So for a decade, we built up probably a 5 million home shortage. And that imbalance, uh, particularly after all the stimulus that came out from COVID, people's focus on where they live, has led to this sharp increase in pricing. And so I, I think that's going to take a while to work through. Mortgage rates going up uh, is going to make it harder. Costs going up for builders is going to make it harder. And it's really about new supply coming online. We think capital moving into the space helps, you know, encourage new building, which is really fundamental here. But you're right. At some point, there are some limitations in terms of how much folks can charge for a new home or rental prices because of earnings. But the long term uh, picture for housing in America from a value standpoint, it's pretty good because of this long-term shortfall that's built up. John, I want to shift gears a little bit here because a lot of the troubles we saw that we heard from the biggest banks, the idea of deals slowing down, we're not seeing it right away in your performance. In fact, you're part of one of the largest, the largest deal announced and talked about this year for Atlantia. So what does this mean about your propensity to deploy capital and how big can you see yourself going when it, turn, uh, when it comes to buying assets? Where are you looking for opportunities? So I would say it really speaks to the breadth of our platform. And we did announce uh, this year four large transactions that share some characteristics, but they speak to our global reach. Uh, we committed to buy the largest casino company in Australia, 
the biggest last mile logistics business in Europe. Um, also in Europe, you mentioned the large transportation infrastructure company and then the student housing deal that we've talked about as well. These are all big businesses. They're not all, one of them involved our private equity business. A couple of them involved our real estate business, also our infrastructure business. And we do this globally and that allows us to deploy capital. We also, because of the scale of our funds, can do things that are bigger. And where we have high conviction, we lean in. And in these areas, these are hard assets. They've got good underlying fundamentals, not as much exposure to input costs. And as a result, we feel good about investing in these areas. So mm-hmm. I think one of the things for individual investors to think about is in a volatile market like this, you know, do I want to sit on the sidelines and just hold cash? With inflation, I think that's actually risky. So owning hard assets and things you have high conviction in makes sense. And what you're seeing is an expression of that high conviction. John, there's assets you're willing to buy, but then there are deals you may pass up on. The Financial Times reported this week that Blackstone is probably going to pass when it comes to Elon Musk and the bid to buy Twitter. What does this mean in terms of what opportunities you might pass up on, whether it's in private equity or in direct lending? Well, we don't really comment on individual deals, but you know, every transaction, we look at the, the merits of a potential transaction based on, on the risk return for our investors. And that's been our story for a long time. As investors, you know, it's, it's like a batter sitting there in the batter's box. You don't swing at every pitch. There are things that make sense. And you look at it through the lens of what are the risks out there? What does the environment look like? Today, of course, the inflationary prism, the rising rate prism, is very important as you deploy capital, but I wouldn't look into any individual transaction as a sign to what we're doing. So before I let you go here, I'd love for you to comment on the geopolitical tensions. I know you don't have any investments in Russia, but you have worked very closely with China over the years. And there's a lot of questions both about the slowdown you're seeing there in terms of growth and the relationship between China and Russia. What does this mean for you in the way you're thinking about investing in China? Well, in China, I would start by saying this is the second largest economy in the world. Um, We subscribe to what uh, the Commerce Secretary said, which is engagement through business helps mitigate tensions. Um, That being said, you've got to be mindful that there are tensions today on both sides and be selective in where you deploy capital. In China, we primarily have invested in the domestic economy, mostly in real estate, mostly in logistics, which has been our big sector around the globe. And we've been pleased with that, but they are facing headwinds near term. You have to acknowledge what's happening in COVID, what's happening in their housing market, their capital markets. All of that means uh, it's a more difficult environment, but long-term, I think China will grow quite a bit. John, thank you so much for your time. We're looking forward to catching up with you again soon. That's Jonathan Gray, president and COO of Blackstone, very close to becoming a $1 trillion asset manager. This is the Bloomberg Surveillance Podcast. Thanks for listening. Join us live weekdays from 7 to 10 a.m. Eastern on Bloomberg Radio and on Bloomberg Television each day from 6 to 9 a.m. for Insight from the best in economics, finance, investment, and international relations, and subscribe to the Surveillance Podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Bloomberg.com, and of course, on The Terminal. I'm Tom Keen, and this is Bloomberg.
Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.